Welcome to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the award-winning radio show and podcast featuring your physician host, Dr. Chris Stroud. And Dr. Andrew Mullally, where we and our guests discuss relevant and health-related topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. Now, today on this episode, our guests will be heard across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And joining us will be Monica Kelsey, and she's going to talk about safe haven baby boxes. That title alone ought to, ought to garner a lot of interest by our listeners. What in the world are we talking about, baby boxes? Yeah, she's a, she's kind of a, a local phenomenon. I don't want to say celebrity, but, but she uh, is. we're proud of her because she's, she's from very near where we record here. And this Safe Haven Baby Box movement is really incredible. Um, she's got a great story in her own right, but mm. the number of babies that have already been saved. And so kind of the concept of the safe haven baby box is the idea that some women may choose abortion because they don't feel comfortable going through the whole process of surrendering or surrendering their baby or giving their baby up making an adoption plan sure and so you know it's really sad but you hear about these stories sometimes about babies being discarded and discovered you know even in the trash and things like that and monica i'm sure will share a lot of data with us but that sounds like something you'd see on a sort of a bad movie, yeah. but it's real, and it's not nearly as uncommon as most of us would like to think. But it's getting less common with the boxes <laughs> Thanks now. to her. And so I, I'll let her kind of share the statistics, but really that's the target is mm. to try and get, get these ladies who don't feel comfortable or maybe they, they don't feel like they can interact with authority sometimes if there's criminal uh, activity and stuff. They don't feel comfortable going to a police station, for example. They can utilize these safe haven baby boxes so that the babies are cared for, they're mm. taken care of, and placed in a good situation. You know, as we think about this topic, it seems to me it's a good time to remind ourselves and our listeners that, you know, I like this idea, whether we're talking about abortion or whether we're talking about maybe abandoning a child after birth, Women don't choose that circumstance. It, it chose right. them. You know, n- nobody is excited about an abortion. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a good exercise, so to speak, for us to try to remind ourselves what kind of circumstance could a young woman find herself in that that seems like a logical explanation, yeah. that, that she has no choice in life but to dump her baby in a dumpster uh, or to terminate her pregnancy. Um, and it's easy to condemn that action, and it's easy to be a little judgy there, but I think it's probably really important to just pause a minute and try to think about the circumstances in her life that could lead to that. Yeah. Um, and what we're going to do is is talk about ways to help women out of that that doesn't result in the death of a child. Yeah, it's uh, it is hard. You know, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine, obviously, the headlines, but then it's also hard to imagine how they get in that spot. It's it's really interesting, though. One of the things that I've kind of followed this this story a little bit locally as it's matured, and she runs into headway on this, <laughs> which uh, how could she, anybody disagree with this? That's what yeah. I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, it seems like a, a common sense thing. If a baby were to be discarded, um, to have it done in a way. Uh, that is not dangerous to the baby and in a way that you know the baby's going to be loved and cared for, uh, that seems like an easy one. Right. But it has not been an easy road. And, and I think she'll share with us the arguments are not maybe the ones that you would predict. It, by that I mean no one is standing opposed to her saying, no, actually the better thing would be to discard the baby in the dumpster. Right. But they're arguing about the details and the logistics and and the laws. And it, it reminds me that some of the most vicious arguments I've ever seen have been among people that would call themselves pro-life. Yes. Sort of like everyone standing in a circle shooting with a gun. <laughs> um, but, it, but it's a great example, I think, of trying to get people on the same page all together on the team for a greater good. And she's dedicated, really, her life to it. Well, it's interesting, too, because all of these things take legislative action, uh, frequently at the state level, but then also at the local level, the community's got to welcome it. People mm. have got to raise money to finance it. These are uh, kind of complicated devices. <laughs> uh, they're not uh, they're not cheap, so to speak. 
And so there's there's a lot that goes into it. But I'm really excited to have her on and uh, to hear about the good work now, she's doing. You're somewhat of a legislative uh, expert, we might say. I don't know. And so I'm guessing this Maybe is... Maybe only compared to you, Chris. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when the bar is low. I'm guessing this is pretty straightforward, right? You, uh, you know, our state representative has this idea and let's uh, let's establish some baby boxes and poof, a couple of weeks later, you got yourself a law, right? It, it's interesting. I mean, I first heard about this when it was trying to go through the Indiana uh, legislature, mm-hmm. and it was not not widely accepted right off. And even even from folks who are, you know, really, I think their heart's in the right place. Just it's a different concept, and in some some ways, I can see that being scary to people. But really, I think it's been revolutionary, and now it's spreading across the country. Right, but it, but it is no small feat, as I'm sure she's going to share with us. Getting <coughs> getting these laws passed is, yeah. is is no easy job. I think it's more than a full time job for her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to having her on. You know, she was with us before, back in episode 87. Uh, avid listeners will recognize way back in 2019 as part of a series that we did uh, on pro-life work. So it'll be fun to revisit, to find out what's been going on with her work since 2019, and to get a chance to sort of reacquaint ourselves with all of the issues at hand uh, and some of some of the wonderful things that, that she's done. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear her. And, and, you know, also just to kind of focus on, not only we're focusing on the baby boxes, but we were having a really good discussion off air before we started here about uh, the trivia question. Ah. So we've got uh, an OB guy here with us <laughs> to shed some light. Um, I don't know. Do we start with the question or the story? You had a really good story. Well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe we'll save the story for the end to okay. the answer to the trivia question. But So here's this episode's tr- medical trivia question that I know you're all anxiously awaiting. Um, how many days pregnant is a woman on the day of her expected delivery? That's one part of the question. How many days... Um, you got to do some math there. And then the other thing is that's called the EDC, the date that we're anticipating that she will deliver. The question is, what does that C in EDC stand for? So how many days pregnant are you on your due date? And the due date is also known as the EDC. And what does the C stand for? If you want to know the answer to that question, as I know you do, you're going to have to stay till the end of the episode to hear the medical trivia answer. We'll be right back after a break here on Dr. Doctor. And we are back today on Dr. Doctor with our special guest, Monica Kelsey. She is the founder and CEO of Safe Haven Baby Boxes. We had a short interview with Monica back in episode 87 in 2019 as a part of our series on pro-life work, and today we're happy to have her back for an update and a deeper dive into her work with the Safe Haven Baby Boxes. But we don't want to give too much of her amazing story away. I know we were talking about her a little bit in the first quarter. Monica, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for spending some time with us. So, you know, before we get into a a lot of the questions that we're just dying to ask you, maybe for listeners that aren't familiar with Safe Haven Baby Boxes, you could give us a a bit of the story and bring us up to the the current day. Absolutely. So the Safe Haven Baby Box is an extension of the already existing Safe Haven law that's been around since in the state of Indiana since 2001. Mm. And basically that law says that any parent who doesn't want or can't care for their newborn child can walk into any fire station, police station, or hospital, um, uh, hand their child to a person or a worker there, turn around, walk away, no questions asked. Um, The baby box takes the face-to-face interaction away and allows a mother to still choose a safe option for her child, but doing it anonymously through an electronically monitored baby box. These baby boxes are heated. Uh, They call 911 on their own. Um, So mom places baby inside, baby's pulled from the other side by a firefighter, uh, a paramedic, or hospital staff if the baby box is at a hospital. And the average time for newborns in our baby boxes are right at two minutes. So it's pretty quick, but it allows the mom to still do the right thing. Now, Monica, you referenced Indiana law, and I know that um, you're much bigger uh, than than our local interests here. So uh, is that a common, that sort of safe haven law, is that common in other states? 
30 days is is common, but there are some states that allow only three days, some states that allow only seven days. Uh, North Dakota allows up to a year. So it's best to, you know, contact us. We have an 800 number that people can call if they need to know what their state law requires, just so we can make sure that these these young women are uh, staying safe and legal in in whichever state that they're residing in. Sure. Well, uh, let's go back even further, Monica. What inspired you to start Safe Haven Baby Box? Well, you know, I'm a retired firefighter and medic, and, um, you know, I always grew up knowing about the Safe Haven Law, but uh, I didn't know how how much of a connection I truly did have with it until I met my biological mother when I was 37 years old. <laughs> I was adopted at birth, and so... Um, I, I got to meet her when I was 37, and that became the best and the worst day of my life because uh, that was the day that I found out that I wasn't a wanted child at all mm. um, by them. Uh, I was actually whisked into this world by violence and then abandoned as an infant two hours after she gave birth to me. And it truly took me back to a place in my life where I had to look for my worth. Mm. And, you know, being a, a child who was conceived in rape and, and um, whisked into this world by violence, but also abandoned like a piece of trash. Um, I I really had to dig back into my faith um, to find purpose. And I think anybody that's in my situation, I think that would be a true thing to say or or to feel. And and so I, um, I was one of these kids that wasn't lovingly and safely and legally placed in a safe haven baby box by a, a desperate mother. I, I, I was literally thrown away like trash. And, and so I stand on the front lines of this movement now, ensuring that these kids have a safe place to fall and their mothers have a safe place to take them hmm. so that they're protected as well as the child. Well, I know it might be just a little off topic, but I, I'm certain that listeners just can't stand the thoughts of me not asking you what must that have been like to not only realize uh, that you were adopted, but to, to come and to know these circumstances? That had to be a, a remarkable experience. You know, um, it, it, growing up, I always knew that I was adopted, so it was sure. never a shock or a, a day that I found out because I, I never knew a time that I didn't know. Right. And so I always grew up being told that my birth parents were young and love and couldn't care for me, so they placed me for adoption. So I grew up thinking I had a fairy tale family waiting for me when I turned 18. And that's what my adoptive parents were told, is, and that was to protect me. And, um, um, and then when I met her, uh, it, it was de- it, honestly, it was devastating because it, it, it showed me a part of my life that I, I didn't want. I, I didn't want this to be my life. Mm. Um, I, you know, I joined the United States military. I was, you know, I, I was doing everything in my life that I thought was right. And this just felt like I was going back for backwards a, a thousand times. Um, so I, I turned back to the only thing that I knew that would, would prop me up. And that was my faith. And that's where I got through it. Man, and, and you've channeled it into this wonderful ministry. Tell us about how, how you came up with this idea. You had known about the laws. Where'd you come up with the idea about the boxes? Interesting story. Um, I was in South Africa on a speaking tour uh, with a friend of mine, um, and we spoke 16 times in uh 14 times in 16 days. And uh, we spoke at a church in Cape Town, South Africa. And it was the, and I always say that this is just a God-driven, a Christ-driven ministry because there's hundreds of churches in Cape Town, South Africa. And I happened to be speaking at the only church that had a baby safe. And so um, I, as I'm walking through this, the, the corridor, I'm looking at this thing in the wall going, what is this and what is it used for? And they said, well, women come here at night when they don't want their child, they'll place their child in this box. And the box will call the pastor's cell phone. And uh, yeah, just think if he missed that call. Yeah. And, and, and when, um, when then he comes down to the church and he re- rescues the child, and then somebody from the church adopts the child. And I'm like, shut wow. the front door. Like, does this really, is this really something that works? And they, they had saved seven lives that year. And wow. so on the flight back from Cape Town, South Africa, on a Delta napkin, and y'all know the best stories come from a Delta napkin. Um, I handed my version of the baby box and then brought the idea back to the States and started the uphill battle of, of implementing it. Yeah. Wow. We, wow. we were talking a little bit in the first quarter about, you know, this, this has been a challenging idea to some people, even in the pro-life movement. Yeah. Why is that? It's hard to wrap our minds around. Yeah. Help us understand who could ever oppose you. 
Well, you know, coming to, you know, coming to America with an idea um, that some people would look at as going backwards in this country. Mm. Um, And that's, I think, where pro-lifers, our hearts are in the right place, but sometimes our minds get in the way of, well, that just doesn't sound right. And, you know, I was trying to convince people that putting your baby in a box was a good thing. Mm. But what people weren't grasping was that the alternative was a dumpster. So if placing your baby in a box is a good thing, it's a good thing because the alternative is not so good. And so in a perfect world, we wouldn't need boxes. In a perfect world, we wouldn't need crisis pregnancy centers. Um, But this isn't a perfect world. And so what we kind of, um, we talk about here in in the baby box camp is we, we go after the women that are not going to walk into a hospital and surrender or walk into a fire station and surrender. The babies that we are getting in our boxes are not born in hospitals. We, we just had a baby last Friday in one of our boxes, placenta still attached. They estimated baby was 30 minutes old. Wow, wow. So, those are the babies that we're getting. So we know that the clientele that, that we need to, um, to, 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 to come face to face with are the ones that are very, very desperate for um, a resource that's anonymous so that they'll never be known. And, and that's where the baby boxes come in. And, and I hope people can kind of see around the baby boxes because not only are we um, supporting babies being safe, we're also supporting their moms. We run a 24-hour hotline where, and you know this, you helped us in the first year that I, I became a nonprofit. Um, I came into your office and said, I, I need help with one of these forms for women who give birth outside of a hospital. And you guys made up this document that we still use today that are in the orange bags for these parents. Hmm. And so, um, we want people to understand that we're, we're not just doing this for the infants, we're doing this to protect the mothers as well, because if a mother places a child in a dumpster, which we see every three days mm. in this country, wow. they're going to prison. And if that child dies, they're going to be in prison for a very long time. You know, I wonder if people would oppose you because just it's impossible to actually think that a mother could put the baby in the dumpster. So when you say that's the alternative, maybe that's just so horrific that they think that's actually not an alternative. So therefore, the baby box is a bad idea. Because I think it's hard for the average person to imagine that a child could actually find that fate. But like you said, it happens every three days, doesn't it? Yeah, well, and we just had in Cleveland, Ohio, um, uh, twins. Twins found in a, wow. in a trash can behind a house. This, this, the parent, the mom was found, and she's 16 years old. Oh, and so th- this is happening every three days. We have to do more. What what I don't know if if you've had some data, but what drives this importance for the anonymity that that drives these folks to not surrender their baby in a different way? Well, I, every situation is different. We do hear from a lot of these parents after they surrender, which is um, kind of mind-boggling. Honestly, they call us anonymously, which is fine. You know, we'll give them services anonymously. But um, you know, some of these babies have drugs in their systems, and they have kids at home. And if they go into a hospital and they give birth, chances are the baby's going to be taken away, and probably mm-hmm. the kids in their home. Mm-hmm. They know this. Um, some of them have had warrants out for their arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's so many different situations. Um, that, that come into play, but we've also had young moms. You know, we had a 17 year old girl last year that, that surrendered in one of our boxes. Um, you know, baby was healthy, no drugs in their system. She birthed at home in the middle of the night, uh, cleaned baby up, went to the baby box, dropped him off at 8.01 AM and then went to school. And so uh-huh. it, it's, every situation is different, but um, I'll tell you their hearts though, that, that's the biggest thing for me is I see their hearts. And these babies that are coming to these boxes, it's not, they're, they're not just dumping their kids. They're, they're choosing something better, basically saying, I want what's best for my child and it's not me. And this is all I have left. And if, if that's all they have left, it's enough. Well, when we met you way back in 2019, uh, that was pre-pandemic. You know, we should date everything accordingly. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I believe that they, you said there were 15 boxes and 10 states. So bring us up to date now with your numbers. We currently, I'm not sure if it, we, if I said 10 states back in 2019, I probably misspoke on that one. Or um, I could be misquoting too. We have, we now have 149 active boxes in, um, we're getting ready to launch in our 11th state. Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Man. And tell us how, how has this gone? I know legislatively, there's a process there that's not always smooth to get these approved for the state, right? 
You know, I'll, I'll tell you, Florida, this past legislative session is one to, to kind of put out there for the books. Um, you know, they passed a six-week abortion ban in the state of Florida, but then blocked a baby box bill. So now, you know, and as a pro-lifer, I've been praying for women to carry children like myself, you know, to, to term and then have an option available for them. And here now Florida is forcing these women, again, I agree with, but now they're not wanting to give another resource to parents who carry these children in it. And, and it was Republicans, conservatives that blocked this bill. Hmm. What, do you, thought, what do you think the basis of their opposition uh, was? Um, uh, honestly, um, it, it's, they want, they want a woman to walk into a hospital or a fire station. Oh. And it's interesting because that legislative session, they had two abandonments in the same county. One was found deceased, one was found alive. Wow. And it's like yeah. it, we, we can continue to talk about the safe haven law being around for 20 years and, and 20 years ago it was enough. Today it's not enough. Mm -hmm. And if you continue to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result, that's insanity. That's, <laughs> that's just insane. We have to change with the culture. It's the same thing with the pro-life movement. If we're going to change hearts and minds, we've got to change with the culture. And, and, uh, and same thing with baby boxes. We've, we've got to um, address differently sometimes and in 2023 the generation that we're raising today is not the generation that was around 22 years ago it sounds like a fundamental um a fundamental disconnection between a feeling of what is versus what ought to be um which in this type of work is always a challenge i think it's probably it's probably just difficult as i said earlier for anyone to think that a mother could actually find themselves in a position where they're they're going to discard their child um, but I'll bet you have some insight into what's going on with those mothers. Um, give, give us a sense of what you know about those moms that leads them to, 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 to think that's the best alternative. Well, there's so many stories. We've had 31 babies in our boxes. We've had 10 babies this year alone. Wow. And um, wow. I would say probably three quarters of those parents contact us afterwards. Hmm. Uh, a case this year that, that was highly publicized um, in Benton, Arkansas. We just had a, a, another surrender in Benton, Arkansas, and the mother left a note. And the note said that she had drove seven hours to get to that baby box, and she came from a state that didn't have any. Wow. And so, yeah, and so she contacted us a couple of days later asking if her baby was safe and if her baby was healthy, which is very common for these moms to call us and ask. And, wow. and for her to drive seven hours to get away from anyone that would have known her, that speaks volumes about how far she would go to protect her child and to protect herself. Um, wow. so that that's one. And then, uh, then a couple of days after that, we got another baby in the same box in Arkansas. So, uh, that parent has not contacted us yet, but, um, there's another, there's another story that I'd like to share with you. Um, and this was, uh, back a few years ago, I think it was probably around the time we spoke the last time this parent utilized one of our baby boxes and she called us, I think it was 21 days later, um, looking for resources, which is counseling mostly that, that these moms need and want. And uh, we put her in counseling. She is now a volunteer for our organization. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and, and she, so I was sitting with her eating dinner um, a few months ago and, and I, you know, and it was just casual talk. I said, hey, you know, if you sat there in the parking lot of that fire station and you watched them walk around that firehouse for a half hour before you placed your child in that box, I said, why didn't you just walk in and hand your child to one of them? Uh. And, uh, and she said something that was so profound. She said, I didn't want them talking me out of a decision that took me so long to make. Wow. And oh, when man. you think about it, I can see that, you know, I can see uh, firefighters trying to mm -hmm. help, you know, what do you need? How can we help you? And, and this mother didn't want help. She, she didn't want to change her mind and she didn't want somebody talking her out of it. Man, that, I can't even imagine what kind of a stressful time that would be for a, a mother. You know, lo looking at these and hearing these stories, it's really incredible. With with the baby boxes themselves, it sounds like the saves are, there's already been 10 this year, you said. Mm -hmm. the, it occurs to me, how do you advertise these baby boxes? Mm -hmm. how, do, how did that woman know to go to this town in Arkansas? Um, it would seem like that, that would be a huge struggle to try and reach these women in crisis to let them know that, that the boxes exist. 
Well, it's very, we, we became very creative as a nonprofit. You know, you don't want to utilize all your funds in one area. You want to try and um, utilize your resources wherever you can. And two years ago, my board said, uh, Monica, I want you to just try and um, do a video on TikTok about the boxes. And I was like, oh, I don't know about TikTok. All right. You know, I was thinking that, you know, I'm 48 years old. I don't really want to do a TikTok. But I thought, you know what? I'll do it. And they had a great, they had a I mean, they, they were great because they said, you know, if uh, if we need to reach the women of the age that are utilizing our boxes, it's the women that are on TikTok and the men that are on TikTok. And so I did the first video. It got 28 million views. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And, and one of our views just hit 49 million. And so 49 million people now know about the baby boxes simply because we're standing in front of a baby box telling people how to utilize it. Wow. And so, you know, so social media is absolutely huge. We also, which this has never been done, even when the safe haven law was passed 22 years ago, um, locations wasn't advertising their saves. Well, if you want people to know mm -hmm. that it works and that that we support these parents, we have to tell people that people are using them. And so when a baby is saved in one of our boxes, we go to the media and, and some people criticize us for this, but you have to look at the big picture. There, there's three reasons why we go to the media. One is education. Hmm. Um, we have to educate the people that are watching this good story of this baby being saved, but also educate them on the safe haven law. Um, and then two, uh, let them know that this box worked exactly as it was designed to. This infant was in the box for two to three minutes max um, and that this baby is being taken care of and it's going to find a forever home. And then the third reason why we do it is so that we can talk directly to the parent because she's probably not been thanked. She's mm. probably sitting by herself telling no one what she had done. Sure in depression state and so we talk to her directly and tell her how proud we are of her and that she can reach out to us and i think that's one of the reasons why we get a lot of calls from these parents after they surrender is because they see our hearts after the surrender and us telling them how how proud we are that they kept their child safe because they they had all these other options and they chose a safe one and we should be proud of them. Wow, Monica, we couldn't be more proud just listening. That's beautiful. Um, this is a great time to take a break. I know we have a lot more questions uh, that we want to get to with you and we'll do that right after the break here with Monica Kelsey on Dr. Doctor. And we are back on Dr. Doctor talking today with Monica Kelsey, founder and CEO of the Safe Haven Baby Boxes. Monica, if you could tell us kind of just the step-by-step, -step. a woman brings a baby to the box. How does it work and what happens from there? Well, all a woman has to do is walk up to one of the Safe Haven baby boxes, open the door. Uh, there's an orange bag with resources in it for her. Take the orange bag, which will just kind of fall out. Place her unharmed newborn inside the baby box, shut the door and walk away. Uh, and that's and really then I, I know people are wondering, but this is completely anonymous, right? It, it is. We actually have the location sign a contract stating that they will not put any cameras on the baby box on the outside. Now, they can have a, a camera on the inside on the infant at all times in sure. case uh, they want that, but they cannot have it on the outside. So it is 100% anonymous for this parent. Um, but all she does is place her child inside and walk away, knowing that the box is going to call 911 on its own. And then basically fire and medical personnel arrive to the baby box in right about two minutes. Uh, some locations, it's a little bit longer, about three minutes. Um, but they take baby to the hospital. Baby is evaluated by a physician and then placed in the custody of the Department of Child Services in some states or placed with an adoption agency in other states. Yeah. And then they go about uh, terminating parental rights and um, uh, doing the adoption for this child. And is is the mother ever involved again? I mean, is she going to be contacted? Is she going to be traced? Is any anything, any part of the system, so to speak, going to interact with her during this process? No, not unless she comes forward and initiates that. Uh, we have had one parent come back that placed her their child in, in one of our boxes, and she was successful in regaining custody of her child a few mm. months after she had placed him. But mm. we will not go looking for you. The only way that we would or the authorities would is if this child is abused. Um, if uh. this child is unharmed, um, you can walk away knowing that we'll take it from there. Mm. And so um, the authorities get involved and Child Protective Services, as you said, uh, and start looking at placement temporary and, and permanent for the child. I, I think it's probably fair to say that some of the opposition to this baby box idea, it probably comes from a sense of, well, what about the mom? 
you know, what, what happens to her? I know in my practice, unfortunately, we encounter postpartum depression, sometimes even postpartum psychosis, and we've done episodes on that. So uh, help us understand uh, what resources are available to the moms in the days, weeks, and months that follow her uh, surrendering the child. So in that orange bag that I was talking about that falls out of the baby box when a, when a woman places or a man places their child in one of our boxes, that box, that, that orange bag has resources in it for, for mom. And it gives a, an outline of what to look for after giving birth because again, you know, our babies aren't born in hospitals. They're, they're home births mostly. Yeah. And so we want them to make sure that they're medically taken care of and they can call us. We have a nurse practitioner. We actually have a doctor on our board of directors uh, that will talk with them over the phone or we can refer them to a, a, an emergency room. Um, and there's also counseling services um, that we offer on our hotline um, that's in that orange bag as well. So she can do that anonymously from the, um, from the safety of her own home. Um, just so that she has someone to talk to. Um, and then there's also trafficking information in that orange bag oh. in case a woman feels like she's being trafficked. Um, but we try to give parents as much resources as we can, but they have to want the resources in order uh, for it to work. I mean, we, we have some parents that never come and, and get any resources, and then we have some parents that come back and are still in counseling with us, and, and we're okay with that. Um, but, you know, the safe haven law was, was passed to protect the child. And we've taken one step further to try to protect the parents as well. That's remarkable. I know often in the pro-life community in some of our discussions, we can be accused of being uh, a bit focused, hyper-focused on the child and ignoring the mother, which I think is a ridiculous argument. But you're a great example in your program that, you know, by design, you're set up to try to provide care and service to the mother as well as the yep. child. It's good, I think, for listeners to appreciate that. And, and maybe now's a good time on air, too, to just get that hotline number. I know it's, it's mostly for, for women who do surrender themselves. Would that be useful to other, other listeners, potentially? You know, any parent can contact us. Um, we will give options. We'll never tell you that a safe haven surrender is the best option for you. What we're going to tell you is what's available in your area, mm. whether a parenting plan is a good option, an adoption plan is a good option, or if, if you can't do either of those, then a surrender uh, would be your next choice. Um, but calling the hotline will get the resources and get the information so that this parent can make a good choice for them. Because um, we don't want we don't want to tell them what to do because then they'll regret it for the rest of their lives. We want them to have all the information so that they can make a good informed decision um, about what they want to do. And that's great. And so, what what is that hotline number? Yes, yes. I guess I should have said that, huh? <laughs> uh, it's one eight six six nine nine baby one. And it's one eight six six nine nine baby one, and we get calls from every trimester of pregnancy, first, second, and third. And the first and second trimester pregnancies, we refer them to Option Line because that's not our specialty. We're we're not going to try and reinvent the wheel for someone that's just trying to to decide it, at that early on what they can do. We try to get somebody in their area that that can walk alongside them, but. Uh, we do take care of the, the women in their last trimester or they've just given birth or they've just placed in our box. Those, that's our specialty. That's, that's where we focus uh, the most of uh, our hotline calls on. What I, I guess one of the things that we've talked a lot about on this show are changes since Roe v. Wade went down. Sure. Ha, have you seen anything change in, in the safe haven movement since the fall of Roe v. Wade? Uh, you know, and it's crazy because the, the pro-life movement, there is a divide in the pro-life movement. I think all of us can agree. Um, the same thing with the safe haven movement. There is a divide in the safe haven movement, and some are on one side and some are on the other. And for us, it, it, I don't care what side you're on, this child is born. Mm. We can discuss about baby being in the womb, but this baby is born. This is going to go in a dumpster or a trash can or a box. And so, but with Roe v. Wade being overturned, I don't, I, I can't say that I've seen a difference, but we've never had a time in our history where there wasn't abortion available at every street corner and there was a safe haven law. Now we're kind of an uncharted territory where there is a safe haven law, but you can't get an abortion in every state. So um, this is a record year for us though. Like I said at the beginning, we've had 10 babies this year and we've never had 10 babies in one year and we're only halfway through this year so far. Wow. So. Could it be, you know, because of Roe v. Wade? It could be, or it could be because we've installed 50 more boxes over the last 12 months, you know, or we've entered more states. 
Um, so I, I don't I don't know the answer to that totally, but I I'm just thankful that that Christ is bringing these women to us so that we can help them and and then also save the life of their child. And I could see that's going to be inherently difficult to know because as you're more successful, if a woman finds herself in that position, if she saw an ad, uh, a billboard or a bus sign or anything that says this exists at that very critical moment, it may pop into her mind and you saved a life. Um, and that's going to be a, a hard thing to ever track scientifically, isn't it? Ever since the TikTok video, <laughs> right? Exactly. Forget exactly. Roe v. Wade. It was TikTok that did it. Yeah. <laughs> now, tell us how you, you talk about the expansion. Tell us how that process works, because I'm sure some of our listeners are like, I've not heard of this before. How, how do we get one of these in our community? So the best thing to do is to contact us. So go to our website at shbb.org. There is a ton of information on our website. We try to make this as easy as possible for you, but every state is a little bit different, just like the safe haven law is a little bit different in every state. But you can contact us and request an informational packet, and it will literally give you a step-by-step guide as to how to implement this in your state or just in your city and town. Mm. You know, there's a lot of states that we've passed legislation in and, and pretty much the groundwork has already been laid, so it's a lot easier. And there's some states that it's gonna be a little bit harder. Um, so my recommendation would be, uh, don't think it's gonna happen overnight, because it's not, it's gonna be a little bit of work, but I promise you at the end, it will be worth it. And that's great. And are, do you guys get, I guess, as this expansion has occurred, is it mostly individual communities coming to you guys saying, hey, we want one, or are you guys targeting certain areas that, that are, you know, geographic deserts where there's not a box nearby? You know, we're getting contacted from almost every state in this country. We're not actively going out looking for people. We're we're actually 19 boxes in the queue right now, which means we have 19 more to build before. And and so we can't keep up with the demand that we have, but mostly it's locations calling us, fire stations calling us, community leaders calling us. If they've had an abandonment in their community, they're calling us. You know, they don't want to have an abandoned baby problem. They don't want to pull another baby from a dumpster. Hobbs, New Mexico is a, is a perfect example of this, that uh, Alexis Avila last January tossed her newborn in a dumpster in Hobbs, New Mexico, and this baby was in a dumpster for six hours. He was found alive by dumpster divers. And um, I just, in May, blessed a baby box in Hobbs, New Mexico. They don't want to pull another baby from a dumpster. Wow. You know, they want, to, they want to offer this resource. And so that's really the communities that are contacting us are, are the ones that want to be proactive or the ones that are being reactive. Mm. It's interesting. I think you mentioned earlier, in a perfect world, we wouldn't be having this discussion because there'd never be a baby in a dumpster. Uh, in a perfect world, we wouldn't need forgiveness. So it's not it's not perfect, is it? Um, so I can see the argument, I suppose, but I think we have to realize that that evil is not going away. That 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 need, so to speak, to uh, separate from a child is not going away. And you're offering a safe and humane, uh, productive way to do that. Um, but it, it really is amazing the growth that you've experienced. If you, if you sort of fast forward to the logical conclusion of your work and you remove every obstacle and you're wildly successful, what does that look like across the country? You know, uh, my goal for this organization is to one day never find an abandoned baby in this country, mm. that we are finding these babies in our boxes and that we are changing the hearts and minds of these parents to not place their ch- children in, unharm- in, a, in a harmful place. Um, and then turn the keys of this organization, this 501c3 that I've built from the ground up to one of the kids that came through our program so that they can take it from here. <laughs> that for me would That's be full awesome. Yeah, so from an abandoned baby illegally to an abandoned baby that was safely surrendered in one of our boxes running it, you know, when they turn 18 uh, or whatever, uh, I think that would be just full circle for me. Um, But definitely making sure that babies are being saved and no baby is being left behind is is truly my goal. And and obviously, you know, for for when I get to heaven, the gates just be wide open. (laughs) Yeah. I'm no I'm no expert, but something tells me they just might be. I'm praying. It's a long road down here, and it's bumpy. Now, you, you know, I'll bet there is a listener um, right now paying attention that has an idea, um, maybe an idea like you had after visiting that that church in Africa, 
Um, you know, what would you say to that sort of charitable entrepreneur, so to speak, um, about overcoming obstacles and, and realizing this dream and all of this great work that you've done? Well, anybody that's read my book, um, and I'm going to um, selflessly put put a push out for my book here. Excellent. It's called Blessed, it's called Blessed to Have Been Abandoned, um, the story of the baby box lady. It's available on Amazon, but I, I go through my life and show you the ups and the downs of of what I've been through and where I am today. And when you get to the end of the book, you'll realize that I have taken every negative situation that has ever happened in my life and I have turned it into something good. Hmm. And I think Genesis 50, 20 is, is kind of a great scripture to talk about. You know, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives, you know, and, and in my book, I also talk about the death of Casey, you know, my, my, my son going to prison and, and, and turning that into something positive. Um, but I, I think at the at the the least of it, if if you have an idea and it is Christ driven, you know, every day you get up, you dress up, and you show up. No matter how bad it is, you still get up, you still dress up, and you still show up because somebody out there needs you to show up. And if it is Christ driven, that door will open every day for you, um, and you'll be able to walk through. Man, that's that's awesome. I love it. I I think one one of the big things you'd mentioned several times is, you know, changing hearts and minds. You used that phrase a couple of times. And you mentioned uh, the lack of success in Florida this year. Hmm. For for our listeners in Florida, what what can they do? How do we change hearts and minds of maybe our legislatures, maybe our, our, our legislators, our neighbors who have not heard of it or might not understand it. What's your strategy there? Because I know you've done this a few times already. <laughs> well, I actually put a box in Ocala, Florida without the support of the legislator. Uh, and we had a baby there in January of this year. And so wow. I'm going to continue to, yeah, I'm going to continue to put boxes in. There's nothing in their state statute that says I can't put them in. Uh, and so I'm going to put them in with the help of Christ and the help of the, the support of the people who want these boxes because government money doesn't pay for these boxes. Mm. It's individual people and, and foundations, private foundations that are supporting us. And, and so we just signed another contract for Florida. So regardless of what they do, we're going to continue to move forward and save the lives of these kids that Florida is losing, like just like this year, you know, to abandonments this year alone. They've had 25 abandonments since 2017. And if they think that they're getting this right, they're crazy. Mm. You know, wow. and so we're not going to stop and let somebody tell us no. If, if you know anything about Monica Kelsey, don't back her in a corner because she will figure <laughs> out a way to continue to move forward. Monica, repeat that statistic that you said uh, this year alone for abandonments. Um, for this, for the entire country or just Florida? Well, yes. So Florida has had two abandonments the, this year. And since 2017, Florida has had 25 abandonments. Wow. So 25 babies have lost their lives. Now, Texas, just to tell you a little statistic on Texas, Texas last year lost 33 babies. Wow. And so it's a baby every three days in America. And if, it, if it's not happening on your back doorstep, you don't know. And so we're trying to bring awareness to the fact that this is happening and we have to do something and sitting quiet is not going to, it, it's not an option anymore. And so we're going to continue to move forward. And of course, sadly, th those babies that you talked about being lost, those are the ones that we know about. Uh, unfortunately, exactly. there could be, there could be many more that we never hear about that are never discovered. They, they say for every one that is found, there's two that's not. Wow. Wow. I don't know where that statistic came from, but I read it in one of the, the articles. But even if even if for every one found, one is not. That's just too many. For every one found, that's too many. So we have to do more. Yeah, that's profound, and and the work sounds amazing. Um, uh, do you do you tire from this work ever, or are you are you just tireless? Uh, I was uh, in a fire station last night, and I didn't get home until one o'clock. I, I still train fire fire personnel, hospitals, schools. I'm in schools still, and uh, last night I didn't get home till you know way late. It was two o'clock when I finally got in bed, and then I was back up to work at eight o'clock this morning. It's tiring. Uh, it, it is very tiring. But it, you know how blessed am I that Christ chose me for this role? Um, so I'll get up, I will dress up, and I will show up every day because I know somebody out there is relying on me to do that. Well, really I feel cool. uh, I feel like we've been blessed to have you on the show, and you make me want to dress up and show up. Um, <laughs> that's that's truly impressive. I mean, you're actually well, I, saving lives, and you can even document all the lives uh, that you're saving. I think Andrew and I, in our medical practice, 
a lot of times we never know if we've had an impact at all, but you know exactly by the babies that you that you get to hold that, that you've saved a life, and that's that's really impressive. That is really cool. I, I know there's people out there who want to help. You had mentioned government money doesn't pay for these boxes. Uh, yes. How much does a box cost to install? And yeah, a listener is listening right now and says, I like this lady, and I want to put a baby box in. I'll pay for it. How much should they make the check for? So, so if somebody wants to do like a complete program, the installation, the box, the the alarm system hookup inside the firehouse, we're, we're talking right about $15,000. Mm-hmm. You know, some of our boxes, though, that these donors have paid $15,000 for have already had three babies in them. Wow. And so how much is a, how much is a life worth is what mm-hmm. I always say. And, and, and so you're right. Government money does not come into play at all. And there's a reason for that, because if I want to pray with a mom, I'm going to pray with a mom and no government official is going to tell me that I can't. <laughs> Amen. So I, I take that very seriously. But if somebody wants to support us, um, there's a lot of ways to do that on our website. You can sponsor a bassinet, sponsor a medical peds bag for our fire stations, uh, sponsor a box. You know, the $15,000 would sponsor an entire box for a firehouse so that they don't have to worry about fundraising. Um, we also sell gear, you know, um, tumblers, uh, anything. I mean, um, anything that you can possibly think of, we are doing to make sure that these babies um, have a safe place to fall. I love it. Well, Monica, we can't thank you enough for joining us again uh, on Dr. Doctor. And I can't wait to have you back again to tell us how many, how many more lives that you've saved. But it's been an honor talking with you, and God bless you and your terrific work. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me again, guys. Thanks, Monica. And we are back on Dr. Doctor after that great interview with the answer to the medical trivia question. Chris. Listeners are dying to know this. So how many days pregnant are you uh, on your due date? Um, And we date that on the first day of the last menstrual period. So if you say your due date is July 1st, then on July 1st, it will have been 280 days since the first day of your last menstrual period. Um, That's 10 months. It's not nine months. Yeah, what's the deal with that? I don't know where the nine months came. I've been doing this 30 years. I don't don't know where the nine months, because nine is 36 weeks. Uh, As you know, that's premature. Yeah. So one's due date is not 36 weeks. One's due date is 40 weeks uh, or 10 months. And then the second part of the trivia question is that due date, if we said July 1st was your due date, it's also called your EDC. And that stands for expected date of confinement, Mm. which is a strange word there. I was going to say celebration (laughs) or challenge. All all kinds of things. (laughs) No, actually, if you look up confinement, you'll see it's to be held. uh, And it also says the process of giving birth. So it's the expected date of confinement, the EDC. You got to love all the medical jargon and all the abbreviations. And sometimes it's just an alphabet soup. It is. Now, for you mathematician engineers out there, this problem has often come up. So we will tell a woman (laughs) that she is four weeks pregnant. um, And she's thinking that's impossible because that's impossible. You know, my husband was in Afghanistan on that date that you say. Um, and it's a tricky thing. We date pregnancies traditionally in the world from the first day of the last menstrual period. Why well, do we do that? Because it's just a date that people agreed that could be known. Okay. You know, it's something pre- everybody can see. Yes. This is pre-technology. This was pre-ultrasound. Uh, and it was a date that generally could be known. Uh, but if you think about it, you're not pregnant on the first day of your last menstrual period, right? You haven't ovulated yet. Exactly. It's it's generally two more weeks, but it's just a, a dating convention. So we talk about uh, menstrual age and not embryologic age. So when we say that you're four weeks pregnant, the embryo has only existed for two weeks. Um, and that's tricky. But if you're trying to explain honeymoon pregnancies to your grandparents, uh, <laughs> keeping that math in mind just might come in handy. Yeah, that uh, I can only imagine the different stories you have around that. <laughs> well, while you're explaining things to your grandparents, you should explain some things about safe haven baby boxes. Yeah. And I think, I think that was just a terrific interview. I love her energy, and I love the amazing work that she's doing. But for our top three takeaway, I, I have to have as my first one, I just love the get up, dress up, and show up 
um, not only is it nice poetry, but if you think about it, that's great advice for about anyone trying to do about anything. I mean, it's been said that just showing up is more than half the battle, and she clearly kept showing up despite uh, a lot of adversity. Oh, yeah. Well, especially when you're talking about big things. Uh. You know, if you say, I'm going to start this safe haven program that doesn't exist and make these baby boxes and yeah. get them everywhere, that's intimidating. Yeah. But uh, you can tell, you can see God's hand in it. I'm guessing you're going to go all biblical on your top three. Well, Chris, because I, I like the Bible. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my, my, my number two there would be the quote that she brought in from Genesis with uh, Joseph and the famine. She said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And uh, that's beautiful. I mean, really, that's the story of her life. Uh, she had mentioned her book, Blessed to be Abandoned. Mm-hmm. I think people would find that very interesting. Yeah. And uh, her story is really unique. She's been prepared. She's been made for this work. Yeah, it is remarkable. I, I think of Father Dan Scheide often talks about or uses the example that you were made for exactly this moment, whatever this moment is. And listening to her talk, I feel like she was made for this moment. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. Pretty inspiring. I mean, you know, there's some goofy stuff going on in our world right now. But I feel like I'm a better person for listening to her because yeah. I think life is winning and some good things are happening. It's nice to get good news. <laughs> you know, it doesn't sell newspapers and it doesn't make you tune in all the time on uh, on cable television. But <laughs> this is good news. and It's it's organic and it's growing. So, it, yeah, it's, it's the ultimate good news. So uh, some better news. We want to thank you, listeners, for joining us on another episode of Dr. Doctor. You can find this episode and all of our episodes on our website, Dr. Doctor. You can just click on Episode Archive at the top, and you can search our over 300 episodes, should you desire. And I was just informed yesterday that my parents uh, checked out the video version of the podcast. (laughs) So we've had one view, at least. At least Uh, one. We do have a YouTube link on our homepage where there's a video. We've got a really cool studio. Please check it out on drdoctor.org. We also have a spot that you can submit a question Mm. and an idea for a future show topic, which we love good ideas. Absolutely. Check it out. Well, I'm Dr. Chris Stroud. And I'm Dr. Andrew Mullally. And we're signing off until your next dose of Dr. Doctor. The views expressed on Dr. Doctor do not necessarily represent those of your co-host. Have a question for our doctors or a topic you'd like to hear about? Call or text your questions to our text line at 260-436-9598 or fill out the form at drdoctor.org. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Doctor Show and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Plus find all our past episodes at drdoctor.org. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com. Have you dreamt of visiting the places where Jesus walked or where the saints made their marks on the world? Trust your trip to the Pilgrimage Company that more priests, Catholic authors, speakers, and theologians trust. Select International Tours. For 36 years, Select International Tours has provided the very best in pilgrimage travel, including centrally located hotels, the best local Christian guides, and unparalleled access to sacred sites and cultural experiences. Selectinternationaltours.com is the first step on your next pilgrimage.